Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And I'm going to apologize right away for if my voice sounds weird. I had uh, brought home from Nashville partying for my birthday, bronchitis and influenza. I'm better now, but sorry if you hear throat clearing. You sound or, pretty good. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the same thing. A little cough or a hack here and there. And I think it's just from traveling. Yeah. I, I just got back from New Orleans. So yep, that time of year. It is. Um, Megan, why don't we do our little tchotchke uh, shakes early on. This case is going to haunt our listeners, and I think we should start them off strong. All right. Well, I have our kangaroo sack. Yep. Shaking the crystal penises in the kangaroo sack for. I'm pro now. Yep. And I and I have our raccoon bones. Yep. We got our our great <sighs> our Greek voodoo chanting for good luck. Yep. Uh, charms out of the way. And, you know, today this is going to be some good luck that we're putting out into the world, um, asking for just some answers for this family. This is a call to action episode. And what I mean by that is after you hear the, hear the details, if you feel that it's warranted that you can sign petitions um, or that you would like to join in the fight for justice for this victim and his family, if you wish, there will be links in our show notes. Obviously, since this case was brought to my attention by a listener and I felt that it deserved coverage, you know that I have joined the fight, Megan, I imagine, especially given um, your career, you too will have some strong feelings about this. I usually do. Mm -hmm. This is the mysterious death of a 12-year-old boy named Sean Daughtry. And like I always do, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but I want you guys to know this was very recent. This was April of 2022. This year. This year. At the time of this recording, it's November 2022. So yes, this is very fresh um, in the hearts and minds of the family, obviously, and the community. I think it's a very important time to just keep the information moving forward to hopefully find some answers for this family. And I was able to reach out to the private investigator that is working on this case for guidance on to where to get the most accurate information so that I get all the details correct because the details are extremely important. And he informed me that he has, has set up a private Facebook page where all the information on there is written by him in what it, it's in the view of what the family experienced. Okay, so, and, and that's kind of how I'm going to frame this episode, because I think once you understand what the family experienced, you'll see where there's some gaps, you'll see where there's some problems, and why they have cause for concern. So has he, um, he's done his own investigation, and mm-hmm. so he, his perspective is what's on this page, the family's perspective. Did he include the um, investigatory perspective as well from law enforcement? Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just like it when somebody like him presents us with all of the information and even all of the opinions so that we can kind of form our own. Yep. And he is very much um, of the opinion that this needs a second look. Okay. Okay. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. I'll tell you that. So I'm going to tell you about Sean, though. When you see pictures of him, 
it is going to make your heart both burst because he is such a doll and break once because you know he's a victim here. Sure. Um, he is freaking adorable. And in one of the most common pictures you'll find of him, he's wearing a bow tie. And he rocks that bow tie like nobody I've ever seen before. Love me a little fella in a bow tie. Glasses, glasses and a bow tie. He's just distinguished at 12 years old. Okay. <sighs> I love that. It reminds me of my nephew. Oh, it's just, oh, I've seen pictures. Yes, yeah. I agree. So Sean was born November 8th, 2009. So he, the day after me, and he just recently would have celebrated his 13th birthday. As we record this, it is November 11th. So this is the week that he should have turned 13. He would have been a teenager. Yeah. His uh, parents, he was born to Ramona Rivas. She has a different name now because they, him and his parents are divorced and she remarried. Okay. And his father's name is Timothy Daughtry. At the time of his death, he was at his mother's home. And this, I wanted to include some information that was taken directly from his obituary. It said, quote, Sean was a sweet, smart, loving boy who was very empathetic, and he shared his love of life with everybody around him. He was an excellent student, like an all-A student. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the bow tie alone yes. indicates that he is, is just a distinguished yep. and uh, a studious. He loved Star Wars, video games, and Disney. Sean was enamored by, and by delight and enjoyment. He spread that vicariously to all in his vicinity, and he made the world a better place, end quote. So like I mentioned, he was a straight-A student. Things just really came naturally for him, both in school, but also he was a gifted musician. He was well-liked, had several friends, and um, again, when you see pictures of him, you're going to be like, well, who wouldn't like this kid, Okay. He had no enemies. I mean, wasn't being bullied at school? No, no, not being bullied at school. The week before the tragic events, the family had taken a Disney cruise together for spring break. And they had so much fun that when they came home, then the week of these tragic events, they're still like riding on the high yeah, of being on a Disney the cruise. The Disney high. Mm-hmm. It lasts for months. Yep. I wouldn't know, but... Oh, I've been. Not on the cruise, but we've taken the kids to Disney. And yes, first of all, it's not a vacation for your parents. So kudos to you guys. Mm -hmm. But uh, the kids ride the high for a long time. So yeah, he's still in he's still in Disney fantasy land, so to speak. He was. Yes. And they the whole family enjoyed them that Disney cruise so much that they actually came home and booked and booked an Alaskan cruise to take place in August of this year. And they realized Sean needed a um, updated passport. Yeah. So. On 4-12-2022, they took Sean to get his updated passport picture. He was so excited about this. His mom talks about how how excited he was planning for the future. Yeah, he loved okay. his first cruise. He's mm-hmm. excited because now he gets to go see Alaska. He's yep. studious, so he probably can't wait to study things, right? Right, right. The, fl- the family, sorry. The, the family? family? That's, what my, that's what my nine-year-old, when she was little, couldn't say family, so she'd say family. Flamly. You're my family. Aww. <laughs> I was cute and didn't even know it then. <laughs> you often are. <laughs> so the, the family was planning a trip to Disney for Sean's 13th birthday. And it was supposed to take place this week over his birthday to celebrate him entering his teenage years. Unfortunately, the celebration would be robbed um, of Sean just seven months before his 13th birthday. But the most 
recent update on that Facebook page on his birthday, the family did go on this trip. Good. And they followed the itinerary that Sean had tentatively set. That's amazing. Well. What I a know. great memorial for yes. him. So like did I you say where they were from? Um, we're just now getting, getting to, to it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd yep. like to jump the gun it's, with you. It's more so like where they were currently living, and you'll understand that in a minute. We have military parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're world travelers mm-hmm. anyway then. Yep. Great. Sean lived with his mother, Ramona, and his stepfather, oh, Jared. and it's Veterans Day. So thank you for we, serving. Yes. Thank you very much for both Ramona and Jared, Okay, his stepfather, for your service. And uh, happy Veterans Day to all everyone out there who is serving. Thank you. Or has served. So like I said, Sean was living with his mother, Ramona, and stepfather, Jared, both of which are lieutenant colonels in the Air Force. Damn. Mm-hmm. His 16-year-old sister, Maria, was a sophomore in high school and also lived in the house. They also had Sean's two half-brothers who were five and two. Oh, little ones. Yes, little toddlers. They're also living in the home was Grandma Vija, who was 79 years old and had always lived in the, with the family while the parents were serving in the military. They're a very close, loving family. Ramona and Vija were actually both born and raised in Latvia. The family moved to Sandalwood Lane in Yorktown, Virginia, about three years prior, so just before the pandemic hit. And although they had friends on the block, they had not really had a chance to settle into lifelong neighboring friendships yet. Okay. There was small talk, there was waving, things like that, but no substantial bonds had been made in the neighborhood. They're a busy working family, both parents working, gone for the military at times as well. That can take years. Plus the pandemic hit and you're not allowed to talk and be around anybody. So there was that as well. So they kind of kept to themselves, but they did keep up their HOA standards of living because Sandalwood is actually in the With Creek uh, Farms HOA, which means that your lawns must be pristine. And there's a pretty high standard of living for uh, uh, the immaculateness, right, that you have to abide by. Honestly, I like that the private investigator points out that living in this type of neighborhood actually provided them with a very false sense of security. I can see that. A hundred percent. Our town alone, Megan, provides us with a false sense of security. Oh. And I don't live in an HOA. No. Right? Well, there aren't very many HOAs in the county, if any, anyway. For sure. But, but I do live in a subdivision, right? Do. Where everyone competes. My husband competes with the neighbors over the immaculateness of the lawn all the time. I got it. The town that I'm from, same way. Yeah. So... Taken from the What Happened to Sean Facebook page that's run by the private investigator I was telling you about, they said this, quote, Truth be told, they felt so safe in this house that even doors were seldom locked. They had just sold the house and were renting the house back for a few months from the new owners while prepping for a move to the Pentagon. They were all sad to end their time in the Tab District, but they were excited for their next chapter in D.C. They were set to move in a few weeks, end quote. Sean's mother had just gotten a new job at the Pentagon. And congratulations. Impressive. By the way. And when she told the family the news over the dinner table, Sean was so happy and excited that his mother would be working in the Pentagon that he asked her to get him. Um, apparently, there's some kind of chocolates that have a Pentagon stamp on them, or I, I may be misunderstanding what it, it was, but there was something that had the Pentagon stamp and Sean really wanted it. He was very much looking forward to this movie. He wanted government chocolate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I killed her again. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. It's that's, like wanting to go to the airport because they sell the Toblerone. Yes, those are the best, I though. Know, they are. Best part of traveling, really. I say all this so that you guys know that them about to move in three weeks. First of all, moves are not new for this family. Yeah, they're used okay. to moving. They're yep. military family. And Sean is a very well-adjusted, all of their children, very well-adjusted children. And this was something the family was excited for this opportunity. So Thursday, I'm going to take you to Thursday, April 14th, 2022. It was a regular day in their household. Everyone was happy. Sean was bubbly as usual. He attended school that day. Later, the parents do ask the teachers, what was Sean's affect like? What was he like all day? And every single one of them said he was laughing in class. He was excited. There was absolutely nothing out of the normal. He was his regular bubbly self. Ramona spoke to all of them personally, and they all said the same thing. Sean was not a troubled child and that he had exuded happiness all day. His regular happiness, not even exaggerated happiness, okay? What we know about April 14th, 2022, is that Sean got off the bus at 3.02 p.m., pretty normal. And he walked the distance of the two houses that he would have to, as usual, to get to his front door. Now, Vija was watching his youngest brother, his two-year-old brother. This child was asleep on the couch. Vija was in a little bit of a hurry to get out the door because she had a medical appointment and Ramona needed to come pick her up for that appointment. So they had just a brief passing by of, I got to go to the doctor. Your mom's picking me up. Your brother's asleep on the couch. You have to watch him until I get home in about, you know, an hour, hour and a half, whatever. And and this was no problem for Sean. He watched, he loved watching his two-year-old brother. He did it often. He is nearly 13 years old. He's a responsible kid. For sure. Yep. And it's just going to be for the interim time, you know, as the coming well, and going of the house. I started babysitting at that age. There's I did nothing too. wrong with that. I did too. His mother did call him from the car and Sean was happy and, and was it was just fine with watching his brother, like I said, but also his, he said, I've got to do some homework. And she reminded him, you also have some chores to do. His chore was to take out the trash. Typical. Yep. So she's like, don't forget to do that before you jump on your video games because he really wanted, it's after school, man. He wants a yeah. snack and video games. This is a preteen boy. Yep. Yep. I have these boys in my house right now. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. I'm, no. I'm married to at my house. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. At 3.09 p.m., there is a selfie of Sean holding his homework up uh, as proof of his own submission. I love mm-hmm. that. That's he, funny. I did my homework, mom. Yep. Can he, I log on now? Exactly. So he he did that. He did submit his homework online for the next day. All right. I I personally think that's an important detail. He did I his did homework too. and submitted it. Okay. From the car, Ramona called him a second time. And because her husband, Jared, had just called her and they were talking about how the two-year-old was napping. Sure. And Jared's like, oh, uh, he's been napping for like two and a half hours. Will you have Sean wake him up? Because he will not sleep tonight. Oh, I've been there. I was just going to say that. Oh, that hit hard. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, yep, done that plenty of times. This is just such a normal family, normal family conversation, normal yep. day. You've given me my life, kind yeah. of. Ab- oh, Absent my God. the cool travel. A hundred percent my thoughts as well. Although I do work for government, that's about where that ends. And right. yeah, the being able to frequently travel like that. But And I don't work for the 
Pentagon, but right. I don't get Pentagon chocolate. No, but this this exactly is my family, and it even gets it's gonna this one's gonna hit you hard too because the second time that he that Ramona called Sean and was like, "Hey, wake your brother up." He says, mom, I'm pooping. <laughs> I got it. And I'm like, oh my God, this kid comes home, does his homework, yeah. takes a poop. These are my children before logging on to play video games. He's a creature of habit. And I appreciate that she told people that too, because there would be individuals that'd be like, well, I'm not going to make that statement. But that just shows the normalcy of their family, their conversation. She calls and says, wake your brother up. He says, I'm on the toilet, man. Right. This, is, this is what it's like at my house yep. when I'm yelling at my 16 year old. Hey, I thought you said you were going to take the garbage out. I'm in the bathroom. Exactly. Okay. Well, when you get out. And he's like, mom, I got it. Like when I'm done here, when I wrap this up, <laughs> I will wake, wake him up. up. It's fine. Yep. They both had a chuckle about it. And that was that. So we're, after some time had passed, Ramona did call a third and final time from the car. This was at 327 PM. Sean answered right away. And the reason for her, this call was that she said, you know, I know you were excited to log on and play video games. And we just kind of suddenly asked you to watch your brother. She was kind of problem solving for him and said, why don't you set your little brother up on the iPad? He can play on the iPad, take it upstairs to your room. You play upstairs with your friends and he will be fine on his iPad and just kind of problem solving with him. Like it sounds like she just kind of felt bad, like putting the responsibility of babysitting and didn't want that to infringe on his normal after school letdown activities. Right. I get it. Which I thought was so sweet. Sean was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. She said she told him the iPad is charging on the second floor. So go grab it, get everything set up and take him up there. Okay. We know that he was prepping shortly after this. He was prepping his after school snack because he did take a jar of peaches out of the fridge, which is his favorite after school snack and put it into a bowl. Since his chore was to take the trash out, the family thinks that at 3.30, his alarm went off as a reminder Okay. to take the trash out because as he was preparing that snack, which usually would be more than just one peach, of course, but there's only one peach in the bowl, that alarm probably went off because at 3.27, Ramona had just talked to him and he wasn't making the snack yet. Um, he was, they were just, you know, talking about waking the child, you know, the two-year-old up and setting him up upstairs. So what the family thinks is that when that alarm went off, he stopped making his snack and went upstairs to grab, to do his chores, to grab the um, trash from the two bathrooms upstairs, and then came downstairs to gather the trash in the kitchen. And I will get to it later why we think, we know that that happened. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a really big trigger alert because it is important that I give you details, every detail that there is. So if this isn't something, um, you know, child death is, is not something that you prefer to hear details about, you know, skip, skip ahead a while, but we have to go through the details so that you can understand why the family's concerned. So I had mentioned that Sean has a, had a 16 year old sister, older sister. All right. She had been at tennis after school, so she didn't ride home on the bus, but she was hurrying home after her tennis match to meet her boyfriend, AJ and AJ's mother, who knows the family, we're going to, um, she's a, a part of this as well. So AJ's mom was going to pick Maria up and take her to AJ's lacrosse game. Okay. So she was hurrying from tennis mm-hmm. to get to home, clean up so she can go to so lacrosse. She, yep. So she can go to her boyfriend's lacrosse game. When she got home, the front door was locked. 
She rang the bell and knocked. No one answered. She knows Sean is home. So she's like, what the heck is going on? She calls Ramona. She's like, well, I've got your grandma at a doctor's appointment. Sean's home. He's probably upstairs with your brother playing video games. So call him, text him. And Maria's a little frustrated because she's trying to get in to get her stuff. She's got limited time here, right? And she's getting picked up. So she's waiting. Right. Yep. And it's concerning, too, because remember what the private investigator had said. The house is rarely locked. Right. So now she's really annoyed because like, why, you know, why is it locked? But I don't know. Maybe when he's babysitting, that's a rule. You lock the door. But it really didn't sound like it, Megan. Lots of things running through my head. Like, why did he feel like he needed to lock the door? Mm -hmm. She called Sean twice and texted three times at 4.50 p.m. All right. Time frame. Got it. Yep. Here's our time frame. So 3.27, Ramona talked to Sean. 4.50 Maria comes home, you know, is is home and knocking and all of this stuff. No response from Sean. So we have about an, an hour, hour and 10, hour and 11 minutes or so. Nope. An hour and 24 minutes. I don't math. 327 to 450. To That's okay. My math. We love you. Anyway, you do a lot of other amazing things. I like the words. She decided to run around the back of the house and try to enter through the back door. All right. right? So she goes, I don't know what gate. I don't know if there's two gates. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because later when Ramona comes, she enters the backyard through a gate that's that was wide open, but it's never used because there's a huge bush in front of it. But I don't know if Maria entered that gate and that's why it was open, if EMTs did, or if someone else did. Okay. But Maria gets into the backyard and she freezes because she sees someone hanging from their swing set in the back. Oh. And she's like, what the heck is going on? She does not recognize what she is seeing. At first, she actually thinks this is like a person that could just stand up and, you know, either come after her or, you know, as a stranger in the backyard. She, there was a man mowing his lawn, lawn that was looking over at this figure as well. And she locked eyes with her, with this man mowing his lawn. And he looked really puzzled too. And so then she didn't feel so alone because she knew her neighbor was mowing his lawn. So she walked towards the figure. Son of a bitch. And trigger alert again. When she sees his legs and his hands, he, she realizes it's Sean. Oh, my God. Okay. And she described it as looking very unnatural. He had a bag over his head. And she's extremely confused. Once she realizes that it's Sean, she runs up and she is able to pick his little body up. Now, he's hanging not by his neck, okay? He's hanging by his chin, Megan. And the cords are so loose that 16-year-old Maria is able to just put three fingers between Sean's neck or chin Mm -hmm. and the, the string... And slide it over his head. To get him down. To get him down. So she just lifted a little bit. Yes. She got underneath him. But even stranger, he was not hanging all the way that his body was hanging. If you can picture this, his knees are bent, Megan. He could have. Straightened his legs out. And stood up and been fine. Okay. His knees are dangling just above the um, ground. His feet are bare and they're clean. This is April. Their backyard is muddy 
and the bottom of this he didn't boy's walk to the swing set. Thank you. The bottom of his feet are clean. Okay. So she gets. How are his knees? She gets. I'm not sure of that detail. My you know understanding. We will get to what okay. he was wearing. Yeah. You know, I like to jump ahead of you. That's another <clears throat> and very were, important detail. Were his legs or knees bound at all? They were not. Okay. His arms were bound tightly with a belt to both of his sides. Listen to that again. His arms were bound tightly to his body, to his sides, and his hands were blue from the circulation being cut off. He had a bag over his head, and on top of that bag was a string that had the bag tied. Okay. Is that the string that was around his chin? Um, my understanding is there was a separate shoelace type. It wasn't a shoelace, but it was a shoelace type that he was hanging from. But this bag was tied with a, with a string that actually belonged to the bag. We'll get to it in a, in a, in a minute. Um, from, our, you know, holding the bag on his head, essentially. Okay. And then we have this. If you can picture, it's not a shoestring, but it's a, a shoestring type um, in terms of yeah, thickness me, and, yeah. and material. Okay. Not something that's overly strong. No. That's what he was hanging by his chin from. So when, let's get back to his arms being bound by his side. Uh-huh. So it's one belt mm-hmm. and his arms literally are just down on each side of his legs. Mm-hmm. So it's around him, almost like maybe thigh or hip level, the belt. And he ha- it has held his arms or his wrists down to it was his at, legs. It was, tie, it was bound at his wrists. Okay, so yep. down even farther on his legs yeah. then, if you're talking about a long-armed 12-year-old boy. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. not entirely. He does look a little gangly. Sure. I, I they, imagine they, he does have be. long arms. Right. But, but again, it's one belt with his arms to his side. They aren't belt. bound in front of him or anything. No. It's around his whole body. His whole body. I keep cl- I'm clarifying this because I'm trying to figure out how he could have got there. Thank you. Yeah, so is the family. Yep, okay. exactly. Those, these are the important details. Maria calls 911 at 9, excuse me, 4.54 p.m. All right. Remember, 4.50, she called her mom and was like, or excuse me, was calling Sean and texting Sean and was like, what's going on? Maria does CPR on Sean uh, for six minutes until the EMTs get there. Here, you asked me about what he was dressed in. I did. Sean was dressed in Jared's clothing, his stepfather. He's wearing his stepfather's dress shirt. What? His stepfather's underwear. That is not what Sean wore to school. Remember, we have a selfie at 3.09 from him submitting his homework, dressed in the clothes that were confirmed through school video cameras to be what he wore to school that day. The family later finds his clothes he had his jacket and his flannel shirt that he was wearing that day were hung up but his t-shirt my understanding is that his t-shirt and pants are missing just gone yes and his underwear was found and jared's dresser drawers were open so this is stepdad this is not yep this is not something that sean ever would have done wear jared's clothes First of all, the size difference alone is ridiculous, but he wouldn't have just went in, dropped his underwear and okay. put on his stepdad's clothes. Right. Now, the belt that was tied around his arms and body was so tight that 
the paramedics had a difficult time removing it just to administer the AED shocks. The other thing is his glasses were broken and they were found in the vicinity, but there is a missing lens. Now the family has a problem with this because Sean's eyesight was so poor, he could not see without his glasses at all. I've been there, buddy. So again, if his glasses are found in a separate location, how did he get here when he couldn't see? So his glasses weren't on. They were no. found someplace else. Yep. And One there's of the, a lens they're broken missing. And there's a lens there's missing. There's a lens missing. Ramona arrived home from the appointment to find the house swarming with emergency medical personnel. And on the Facebook page, the private investigator just does such an amazing job putting her feelings and telling her story about how she saw the lights swarming past her while she was driving home first. Worst fear as yep. a parent. And They're just, heading in your direction, yes. your home's direction. Nobody's yep. your answering kids are in your house. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, mama. She was panicked. Mama, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she gets there. This is where she notices this gate is open that's never used because there's this big bush. She runs through it. She sees every woman and every mother's worst nightmare or every parent, should I say, was worst nightmare. They're shocking him. She heard them say a couple of times, we got a heartbeat. Um, they they were, they did. Okay. I'm sure they did it. They did. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, they're not going to let her ride in the, they tell all the police that are there are telling her to stay back to let the emergency personnel do their job. She's like, okay, but what's going on? Like what? She's so confused. Like what the hell is going on? Maria is beside herself. Of course. Eight, remember I told you about Maria's boyfriend, boyfriend mom. AJ and his, her, his mom was due to show up to pick Maria up. Right. So she actually is there at yeah, this point in she time. She pulls up and yep. sees all of the Lights and sirens. Exactly. Yep. So she's consoling Maria at this point in time. And they do let her, let uh, Ramona get into one of the like emergency personnel uh, vehicles, you know, to drive her to the hospital. Now, what they find, let's go over a little bit what they find. Remember I mentioned earlier that at 3.30, his alarm would have went off to remind him to take the trash out as his chore. That's so cute, by the way. Yes. It's so responsible. It is. So responsible. Well, the upstairs trash was gathered. Okay, we do know that he went up and got that. But the kitchen trash was never taken out. But his Crocs, such a normal kid, oh my God, wearing Crocs. His Crocs were found next to the trash in the kitchen. Hmm. No one in the house was ever barefoot. That's not something that they liked. And Sean disliked being barefoot the most. So this stood out to the family. Like, why are his Crocs off? He does not walk around barefoot. At all. He wouldn't have went to go take the trash out. Barefoot, Barefoot. for sure. So what happened when he was gathering the trash? Because the kitchen trash was not taken out. So we know he was interrupted, you know, he was interrupted in that moment because the the upstairs bathroom trash was downstairs. So he had been getting the snack at some point, which he also appears to have been interrupted from. Yes. And we think and that's because th- his alarm went off yep. and he went, he, so this kid's so good that he's like, okay, I'm not going to finish my peaches. I'm just going to go get the garbage right now. Yes. Before I forget. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Was the upstairs trash that was missing found outside? Like, no, it was, was in it? the kitchen. Okay. So he yep. brought the upstairs trash down to the yep. kitchen and then to grab the kitchen trash right? mm-hmm. and then that never got taken out. Both it bags didn't. are there. And his shoes. And his shoes, right next to the garbage. The family believes that this is where it started. Whatever happened started Are there right any there. signs of a struggle in the kitchen? So there are two shredded up 
garbage bags that do not belong to the family. And we know they don't belong to the family because they have a different color handle. Ramona always gets her garbage bags from Costco. And those garbage bags always have, I believe it's a, have a red handle. And these two shredded up um, bags in this kitchen, for whatever reason, are shredded. Blue handle, both of them. And Ramona is like, these are not. They didn't have garbage in them, right? No. So they're just regular garbage bags, almost like they hadn't been used and were shredded. Mm -hmm. Or like they had been, you know how after you empty your garbage out, you know, maybe they had had, had trash in it and was shredded? Nope. It was just just described as shredded. That's so bizarre. Mm -hmm. But the handles... That's important. They're not their garbage bags. As an investigator, that is a very important detail. Yes, it is. Those are two different color garbage bags. You know, I am a creature of habit. I know the garbage bags that I like. Mine always have the same color handle. I would be able to point out and have before, as a matter of fact, and question my children of, where did this bag come from? Or when did you go to that store? Yes. Or, yep. And because I know what belongs in my house and what doesn't. I get it. My husband bought some different ones this time. They're white because he got them in bulk. And we usually do a black garbage bag oh, because mm-hmm. my garbage can is black. And I, you know, I'm maybe a little OCD about that. No, oh, I know. But some people prefer that, right? Like more you, importantly, you mom, your... mom knows detail here and, and she I'm knows sorry. something's wrong. These are two military parents. You're Tell straight. me that they don't know how to fucking pay attention to detail. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I bet is in its place in that house. Right. Not mine. You couldn't find shit in mine. But in theirs, I bet you can't. For sure. And they discover on the counter the untouched peach of Jared, which again, listen to mom. She knows this is his favorite after school snack. After Sean is taken away in the ambulance, Ramona runs inside. She's got a two-year-old inside. Where's the two-year-old? So she runs in. She scans the living room and notices that there's two little legs hiding beneath a pile of laundry that was on a chair waiting to be folded. Oh, my heart. She yelled his his name, scooped him up, and he opened his eyes and started to cry. He was really limp and like lethargic and not himself. He did not act like himself at all. She ran, you know, to the front door. The door was locked like Maria had stated. Which was weird. Mm-hmm. So... She opens the door, ran outside to the front yard, and she notices a neighbor standing nearby with a landscaper. She ran out and yelled out, what happened? Did you see what happened? The neighbor said no. And then she turned towards the landscaper who mumbled, I don't know him who did it. Mm. Now, this la- there is footage of this landscaping truck pulled up in front of, there, nearby, like in front of or just past their house. Okay. We can see that on another um, neighbor's ring camera thing. All right. Ring cameras are great. Mm-hmm. They catch all kinds of stuff and it's very clear. Sure. Yeah, sure do. When the police bother to uh, collect it. Oh, honey. This is one of the family struggles. They have talked to their neighbors. They told the police, can you get the camera footage from all of the neighbors? They never went and asked the neighbors for any of the camera footage. They have an HOA Facebook group. Okay. One neighbor was willing to post that picture that they found with a landscaper truck. It's not a great photo, but you can okay. see, you know, he's got a trailer on the back for the um, mowers, black truck, that sort of thing. Okay. How many people were in the truck? Not sure. I don't know that anyone was in the, well, no, I know no one was in the truck at the time that the But there was captured one it. landscaper standing next to a neighbor. Yes, there was one landscaper and he is the one that said, I don't know him who did it. 
So then she ran over to another neighbor on the other side who was also mowing the grass. This is the one who um, Maria made eye contact with. Who also was recognizing that something's off. Yes. Yep. And he too said that he didn't see anything. But he didn't say, I didn't see him. He said, I didn't see anything. Right. He's like, I didn't, I didn't see anything. So she's like, how can all my neighbors be outside doing yard work and no one saw anything? Their fence is only three feet tall. It seemed no matter who she asked, nobody saw or knew anything. Um, and like, like I said, well, there, and there was one neighbor that had several cameras like fixed to his house, but it turns out they hadn't been connected in years. Sure. Yeah. Again, everyone feels safe in this neighborhood. Uh, some people put cameras up just as a deterrent and you're right. They don't even pay to have the service anymore. They're not right. attached. They're yes. just there. Yep. Exactly. Lurking exactly. ominously. Yep. So at this point in time, she jumps in the rig to go to the hospital and follow the ambulance, right? With Sean in it. And Maria's boyfriend, AJ, and his mom pull up or, you know, are there in consoling her, but also staying with the younger kids. Okay. What? Where was the five-year-old? With dad. He had an after-school activity okay. as well. And it just occurred to me. So yeah, that's where dad, so dad is. He's dad with the five-year-old. Is with, yes. And he was like 40 minutes away, something like that. And, you know, so it took him a bit to get there too. So Maria, Maria, Ramona is still in her military uniform and she's walking into the emergency room and she's guided through a secure door where they had been working on, um, Sean and she's, she described it as this is from the Facebook page as well. Quote, the crowd parted all at once and turned toward her to make way for the physician physician to come out. She stepped back, shook her head and just screamed no as the physician informed her that Sean was gone. So Ramona, end quote, Ramona wanted to go see him. Um, so they made her way. They let her do that. She is lying on a gurney. She kneels beside his left side and she grabbed his, his feet and just kissed him because she knew this was going to be the last time sure. that she would be able to touch his body. And she noticed as well that his feet were clean and perfect. Right. Okay. She's kissing them. They are clean and perfect. Of course she is extremely sorrowful right now right she I can't even I don't even want to put myself no you in can't. this headspace of where she must have been at but she is searching his body for answers what happened because was this a tragic accident was this you know did someone do this to him I mean she literally has been told nothing at this point no Megan nothing um, other she, than, does she know how he was found yet by her daughter? No, so she doesn't no. know anything about him being bound. This, right. Okay. Nope. She knows nothing because remember she came home, they're working on him. They rush him to the ambulance. She talks to those two neighbors briefly and jumps in the other guy's rig. And she's asking the other emergency personnel, like, can you get an update from the ambulance? And he just said, you just said, you have to have hope. They did have a heartbeat. You have to have hope. That's all he, you know, I mean, he can't say anything when he doesn't know no, what's I going on. No, I think he right. said the right thing. Yeah. I think that's what you have to be trained to do as an EMT anyway. Right, it, right. Especially if he did have a, they found a pulse at some yes. point. So yep. was, and they did call that out, you know, yeah. in the yard. Have yep. hope, have hope. Mm -hmm. And so, so she literally, that's why she's looking at his body for answers. Because I would she too. has, me too, because she has no concept of what happened, right? She was alone in the room, but there was also a female chaplain in there with her and everything was covered up to his neck with a blanket. Of course, she went over to his face to take a look. His face was completely unharmed. You know, she again has no idea of what really went on, but she's like, wait, 
was it, I think she was probably expecting some sort of trauma, something. If there was a potential, if you think your child may have hanged, whether it was intentionally or not, and I know we're going to get to that, but you would expect to see some type of almost facial trauma from it. Yes. Um, some petechia in the yep. eyes, yep. some bruising, purple discoloration in the face, mm-hmm. ligature marks. Mm-hmm. There's no swelling anywhere. His teeth are all intact. He had clearly, er, he had been intubated, you know, so he still had the tube in. Sure. Um, he had a neck collar on. His eyes were half open. They were clear, green, and not swollen at all. Uh, there was no redness or damage that she could see. She opened his eyelids and saw that his pupils were blown. And in that moment, she it, knew it dawned on her, yep, that officially that he is really gone. So she kisses his forehead, pushes his hair up, and noticed that he smelled really musty. Because she, this is a mom thing. You know what your kids smell like. You do. And sometimes it's even gross. Right. But you know what they but smell like. But you know like. what they smell like. We we are animals after We've been all. smelling them since they came out of us. Literally. Exactly. And she, the reason that she was doing this was she wanted to smell him one last of time. Of course, I would do the same thing. You yep. smell their hair just like they were the baby you brought home. Yep. And he did not smell like him. He smelled musty. And from her movement on the bed... Um, his right hand kind of came out beneath the sheet. So she leaned over to put it back under. And she notices that there is blood on his left hand. She's Because she went to, she put the right hand back, but then went to go hold his left hand because that's the side of the bed that she's on. And she notices that there's blood between his fourth and fifth finger. So she's like, okay, good. There's some evidence. Maybe we can get something from this and kind of help figure out what's going on. She took out her phone. She took some pictures. She is in the military and she is analytical. Okay. I, as an investigator. I don't know if I would have got my phone out, but I appreciate that she did. Yeah. 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 I, honestly, I, I could probably I say think, that I would. I think what I really like about mom here is... um. She's having the worst moment of her life, but she's still keeping this level of calm and cool about her that I don't know if a lot of women could do. Military training. Of course. Mm -hmm. And she's being analytical and she's Mm -hmm. thinking, I'm going to take a photograph of this and I'm going to check this. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I dig this woman. And not just be completely compounded by your grief, which I, I, you know, I don't know. I'd like to think that I could keep my, my senses and analytical mind, but God pray I don't Don't ever get there. Can't even put myself in her position, nor would I try. When she looked back at these pictures that she took later, Megan, she notices that there are marks on his wrist from being bound by the belt. All right. But the medical examiner reports that there were no marks. Huh? Yeah. Later when they get the ME report, they noted no marks. I was just looking down at my glasses that I brought today because I'm starting to get old enough that I need those to read when I'm inside. And I'm thinking, did he leave his at home? Uh, I or Maybe. Her. Maybe. Or could it be that he was just taking the report from the law enforcement officers? Because they do. The MEs take all the information from the crime scene, from the the um, medical examiners. Also, the um, investigator, the head investigator, was said to be present at the medical examination. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'm going to have an issue right away. Because you know that as part of my previous employment, I was on a child death review team. Mm-hmm. And there are very specific things that need to occur when a child under the age of 18 dies. Mm-hmm. Um, almost always, we're talking a mandatory autopsy. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. There should have been a specific investigation done outside of law enforcement who, God love them, are responding to an emergency situation. Once they hand them off to the coroner, their job is kind of done right. other than writing the reports. Right. Like they're not going to have any more physical contact nope. with the, the victim. The body is supposed to tell the medical examiner what happened. Well, that's the point of having an ME, a yes. coroner. Yes. You're going to tell the story of the deceased that's laying in front of you. Yes. Yep. Precisely. But the story's not accurate. No. Because we have one person saying that there are marks. Mm-hmm. She can see them. Mm-hmm. She took a picture of them. And an expert saying there are none. Yep. So furthermore, this is when she discovers that her son is wearing her husband's dress shirt. Oh, fuck me. And she's like, she and she screams. She lets out a scream. And she's yelling for the hospital. Get someone in here who put him in these clothes. Is Oh, shit. She thinks somebody like dressed him. Yeah. Because it dawns on her and she realizes, holy shit, is someone still in the house? And my other children and AJ and his mom are at the house. She is freaking out. So the female chaplain that was in the room with her. This is like a horror movie. Right. I have goosebumps. Goes goes and gets help. The investigator was in the hall speaking to the physician. So Ramona calls uh, Jamie. That is AJ's mom, Jamie. And was like you know, told her that Sean was dressed in Jared's clothing and that someone could still be in the house. So now she, now I feel like at this point in time, she knows something terrible, you know, that this wasn't an accident. This wasn't self-inflicted. What is going on? Why is he wearing his dad's clothing? That's, she does, she examines a little bit more and realizes he's also wearing Jared's underwear. Like, why is he wearing my husband's underwear? Yep. So the investigator comes in, she explains what's going on, and um, Ramona is no longer allowed in the room anymore because the investigator's like, okay, well, this is now um, seen as a crime scene. Their entire family was robbed of saying goodbye because now it's, it's a crime scene, right? They never, so that means Jared never got to see him, Maria, anyone at this point in time. Biological dad. Bi- no, biological dad didn't get to. No, Ramona was the only one that got to see the body um, from this. The investigator was taking pictures. You know, she is beside herself. And Jared finally comes. She was alone in a room. Um, Jared comes. They're crying together, of course. Um, A nurse, I wanted to include this because I think that sometimes nurses just don't get enough credit for what they do and what they see. But a nurse came in and gave her a small test tube that contained um, the last EKG strip of Jer- of um, Sean's sweet. heartbeat. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. Yeah, I mean, just to have that yeah. kind of yeah. So the like I said, they were they were begging to be able to say goodbye to Sean. The investigator said no, and then and then he was gone. I'm I'm waiting for the point where somebody says that Jared's suspect because he was wearing his clothes. No. Okay. I mean, we know he was 40 minutes away. He has an alibi right. and he has a child with him, but. No, that never, ever comes up, honey, because after this, Jared's death is ruled a suicide. Oh, wait. Are you kidding me? No. All right. I know and this, this is an ongoing is where case, so I always have to be careful with these. You know this, right? Yeah, right. No, I don't but know you that just, it is. But you just kicked me right in the boobs because everything that I'm hearing so far, I'm waiting to get to, um, you know, the suspects. And, no. and you just broke my heart there and told me none. this there is a suicide. This is why this is a call to action case. Sign the fucking petition, people. Oh, Chardonnay. What have you it's done? not an ongoing anything. What have you done to me? 
I, I have to know more. Please uh, tell me there's more. Well, we're, we are getting to it. I want to tell you about what happened with Maria. When the ambulance pulls away, she's left there with some investigators, right? They get a distressed call that there might still be somebody in the house. So the officers do check that out um, and, cl- you know, clear it and whatnot. At this point in time, they don't want to let anybody in the house anymore. It's kind of, it's it's blocked off, essentially, okay? Jamie is, it, Jamie is AJ's mom, all right? So the, the investigators want to talk to Maria, but she wants Jamie there to, she's 16, okay? Yeah, so she needs an adult she there. She just yep. had the worst trauma of her life. Yep. Jamie recalls that immediately when they are asking Maria questions, the line of questioning is all about suicide. The line of questioning is not an open-ended anything to try to find answers. It is immediately, has Sean ever tried to harm himself in the past? She said no. Has he have, um, you know, has she ever seen any marks on his neck? She's like, I don't know. He's he's had a scratch before, like maybe a week before, but no. She They asked if Sean had any problems at school. And she was like, well, back at Christmas time, there was an issue with three, go- with three girls who were teasing him around Christmas, but that was months ago. The issue's resolved and they're friends now. Like there is no no issue. That is not important to me. Um, my kids have had small bumps and issues with kids. That's not like a, a constant, you that know, doesn't teasing. arise to the level of bullying. No, no, no. Just, you know, certain issues. They say something that you don't like or there's, you know, things like that. Well, they're um, girls. And if they're friends with them now, it was mm-hmm. probably the traditional, maybe they'd like to right, have a little crush a little on the bit. cutie pie and yeah, yeah, perhaps, but no one that is close to Sean, teachers included, family feel that this was a bullying situation. They do not. I believe you. Yeah. Do, they do not feel that that was, it was ever, he didn't mention it like it was fine after that. And it is eighth grade for crying out loud. Like these, eighth grade's the worst. I, I seriously feel it like is it. my nephew who this kid is reminding me of. And that's all I can picture when we're going through this is, is also in eighth grade. And, oh, I know. And it just reminds me of this yep, kid. My youngest is in eighth grade. Yeah. I can, I can picture it. This is why I said that it doesn't bother me that months ago he had a small issue. Um, like three months ago, mine had a small issue with his best friend. Sure. They, they do. Yeah. Upset with it was each other. all yeah. over Snapchat, but they sorted it out. Now their best buds played on the football team and, and are now playing on the basketball team together. Sure. You know, it's fine. But she, she can tell that the, that Maria's being questioned, she being yes. boyfriend's mom, can tell that Marie's being questioned and it is definitely being led in a certain direction. A hundred percent. They are not asking Maria what she, how she found the body, any of those things. The first questions are, has he ever tried to harm himself before? I mean, think about that line of questioning right there, before, like insinuating that this is what he did now. And Jamie picked up on that and it made her uncomfortable and she made sure to tell the family. Well, definitely wasn't forensic interviewing. Oh, most certainly not. Which by the way, she is a minor. She should have been taken through the entire forensic interview protocol. I agree. Yeah. Which brings us to another point. I'm going to get to what the two-year-old tells mom and why the police will not accept it is because... 
tender two, years. And he can't pass the forensic interview protocol. And mm-hmm. the part that they he can't pass, you guys, just so you know, it's going to be the part where it's you're establishing at the very beginning things like, do you have concepts of reality in real time? And of course, two-year-olds don't. I mean, maybe a very few do, but developmentally they don't. That does not mean that their statements don't have accuracy. You just have to take it into context. Yep. So you ask the child what? If I were to ask you if it was raining in here, is that real or not real? And they're like, I don't know. Real? Real? I mean, they just can't answer those questions. Right. It doesn't mean they don't have statements that are valid. And it doesn't mean that they didn't see things. Of course Mm -hmm. they do. Right. So Sean had no indication whatsoever, you guys, of depression, suicidal ideations. There was no note found. There was nothing nothing at all to indicate no psychological mental health issues in the past, nothing. This My is God. a typical developing 12-year-old boy. And you know what just comes to mind too, which I'm sure they didn't do because they had already made up their minds on this investigation. He's playing online games with his friends, right? Yeah. Man, you can get search warrants and subpoenas for that. You could go on, log on his game, look at old messages. Has he had any conversations that would indicate suicidal um, they did or do homicidal that, statements? And oh. nothing was found. Well, I'm they glad got his they phone. They got his computer. He never searched anything on his computer at school, at home, or his phone. Anything about suicide? Nothing that would even be closely related to anything dark and scary whatsoever. They All did right. talk to his friends at school. Same thing. And their response is just that suicide rarely makes sense. No, oh, you—that's a very accurate and yeah. <laughs> It, it, that's Entirely so true. Entirely subjective statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. They, so after they went down the line of questioning of, you know, has he suffered from mental illness? Has he tried to hurt himself in the past? Blah, blah, blah. She kept reiterating to them how she found him. Okay. In the way that he was, was dangling near the ground so much so that he could have stood up fully at any time had he been alive when he was put in that position. His arms were bound to his side. Exactly. Yep. And so she she gave as good a detail as she can for a 16-year-old girl that's in shock, right? Jared arrives home. He's got a swarm of marked and unmarked vehicles, people he didn't recognize, of course. He went up to his kids. He hugged his two-year-old, all of those things. They were all very appreciative that their toddler was okay. Um, this is where they have to tell grandma that Sean is gone because you've got to think about it. Grandma's the, probably in the car. The people at home, well, that she's with Jamie. And AJ and Maria. She did it. And the toddler. Yeah, they're they're at home. They don't know that they lost him in the hospital yet. Right. When they left in the ambulance, he had a heartbeat. heartbeat. Yep. So the, you know, uh, Ramona and Jared have to come home and tell the family that Sean is gone, that they can't go in at this point in time, they can't go inside, right? They're they're investigating. So they did drive to a a hotel. I thought this was a nice a neighbor Michelle stopped by with some pizzas. For the kids to eat and and whatnot. They got everyone's information and they go 20 minutes away to a hotel um, in Langley. When they're there, after a little while, Jared's phone rang. And while he was taking that call, Ramona scooped up her youngest son, the two-year-old, who'd been jumping on the bed, you know, on the hotel bed and whatnot. She's just kind of asking him, like, what he and Sean did that day. Yeah. And he says, a friend came over and was punching Sean. And then he proceeded to demonstrate punching motions with his fists. Jared finished his phone call and announced that the investigators had cleared the house and that they could go back in. It was about midnight at this time. And they're like, why are they done so soon? 
why is the house clear already? Did they even, you know, then they have to decide, do we even want to return to the house? All of those sorts of things. And they decide that they're going to. But she is going, she does want to tell the police about what the two-year-old had just said. Now, the police don't take anything that the two-year-old said seriously because they, I would imagine, believe that mom was leading him in questioning. But we can't make those assumptions. Um, She's military trained, after all. And she says that she just asked, what did you and Sean do today? Then he went into further detail and said that the friend was chasing Sean around the house. Again, the police don't take those statements seriously because he's two years old and they don't know if mom, you know, led, if mom asked open-ended questions or directed questions or she not. She shouldn't be able to answer that question. You'd think. Yeah. I mean, this is, well, this she happens. says, I asked him what him and Sean, Sean did, did that day. Very open-ended question. It is. It is. And, and this is stuff that's admissible in court because in, um, tender years statements made by minors regarding certain acts. And it has to be criminal sexual conduct or some type of, of that. So a murder is going to count, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Certainly. The first statement that that child of tender years makes, if they make it to a person and they're able to articulate that there was accuracy, that there was um, trustworthiness to the conversation, then those things can come in. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they should have been completely disregarded, especially since you can't just assume that it was a leading question when she clearly indicated that she said, what did you and Sean do that day? That is as open-ended of a question as any trained forensic interviewer would ask. Correct. Exactly. Just my opinion. Nope. Now you have it. I'm I'm with you. So when they arrive back at their house, okay, a little before one o'clock in the morning, they're just like, things just don't quite feel right to them. And, you know, some of that could be just the heavy loss, but they're noticing, this is where they start to notice stuff. And they notice the two trash bags tied up on the floor. This is where they notice Sean's Crocs upside down on the floor in front of the bags. She opened the trash door drawer and saw that it was lined with new bags. The trash, the trash drawer had new bags in it. Sean had gathered the trash and put new bags in and then left the old bags tied on the floor. She pointed this out to Jared. She also noticed two additional garbage bags on the floor, all ripped up. These are the ones I was telling you about it about earlier. She only bought red handles and these were blue. These were blue. So she knew these were not there, their bags. And they had large rips in the middle and on the side. So she's like, whose bags are these? Why are they ripped? Everything felt wrong and uncomfortable. Everyone was tired. They go upstairs and look around. And all of a sudden, the house felt really hot. The heat was turned up to 85. She's like, who touched the thermostat? Because this is not something that any, you know, the kids would ever do anything like that. So she proceeded towards the bedroom. And that's when she realizes that in the middle of the path of the bedroom door, to the attached master bathroom with Sean's underwear on the floor. Jared ran downstairs, grabbed gloves and a large Ziploc bag, and Ramona picked up the underwear and bagged them for the investigators. This was really puzzling. Why would Sean's underwear be on the floor of their room? Jared's dresser drawers were also open. So what had happened here? Jared called the police and asked them to send a patrol car because they didn't feel safe. Sure. Um, What if this person came back? Obviously, someone had been in their house, they feel, right? We have a lot of evidence leading to that. Yeah. Jared locked all the doors. He barricaded chairs against the door. I mean, this family was terrified. They were upset at themselves for not having a security system. But don't be uh, 
Many, many, many people do not. So in the middle of the night, obviously Ramona couldn't sleep. And well, of course not. You know, she went into Jared's or Jared, excuse me. She went to, into Sean's room and she, this is when she realizes that she saw his AirPods charging. She wondered where the investigators had found his phone because she was told that it had been found in his room. And she's not really sure why that is because why wasn't it on him? Like it's on him. Remember he picked up, she called him three times and he picked up right away every single time because his phone was always on him. He had it with him when he was pooping. Yep, exactly. She also noticed that the iPad was still charging that she told him to go grab to give to his little brother. So he never ended up giving it to the Mm -mm, little brother. This all happened. We don't even know if he ever ended up waking him up or not. Oh, that's true. Right. Because remember, he was going to poop. He was going to get himself a snack, take out the garbage, and then probably wake his brother brother up and take him upstairs. Yeah. And he never got to that point. God, Charnel, it just makes me think like somebody gains entry to the house, locks it, little brother's still sleeping on the couch, wakes up during this thing and ends up, did they say he was hiding behind a curtain in the living room? He was hiding on a chair behind a pile of clothes. He was hiding though, you guys. He was hiding. He was hiding. And he was acting really lethargic and not himself. Which could be a trauma response. Fuck yes, it could. Could be, was he given something? Yeah, we but nobody know. ever, did they ever take him to no, the hospital? Not that I am, not that I found. No, no. judgment on you, Ramona, no. but that's one of those things you think about after. Of like, course, oh always God, like, should have had him get like know, a medic. tax screen or something yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah. What was very strange for the family though, is that it was like the community didn't want this to be real at first. Like the school, the police had never called the school um, no one, it, it was actually AJ's mother, Jamie, who called the school for the family and said, said what had happened to Sean, you know, just that he had passed and that AJ and Maria were not going to be in school. And also they were going to need some help, you know, and guidance when they did return to school. Well, that Monday, so this, this all happened on a Thursday, the 14th, that Monday, the 18th, Police do come to the school and guidance counselors to talk to everybody, but they talked about suicide prevention well, to they, these middle schoolers. They had not that it's not important to discuss that, of um, course, but obviously this is an indication that they had closed their investigation. Right. They felt that they had all the information that they needed. Mm-hmm. I told you earlier that we were going to come back to the shirt and pants that he was wearing. He was actually wearing shorts. They couldn't locate those. Right. The shirt and shorts. Yep. So I just just so arrived just, at it at my notes. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have walked literally walked off. Yep. A lot of the line of questioning, of course, from the investigators to Ramona and Jared as well, was all about his state of mind on the day that this happened. He was fine. He was happy. Yep. Exactly. They did ask him like, "Hey, do you know the passcode to the iPhone?" And they're like, "Well, no. You know, we don't. They're like, that's not a problem. We can take care of it." Again, they didn't find anything. On, on that stuff that would indicate suicide or suicidal ideations. So this is the next day in the, they had asked them to take the bag of underwear. It's like the investigators didn't want to take it. They were just reluctantly taking it. That bag of underwear has never been tested that they know of. They have no idea where it's at. It's never been So they sent. gave it to them to be placed into evidence. Yes. Yep. They didn't get a receipt, an evidentiary receipt. Right. Nope. They weren't given that. They were, they kind of acted to the family. They acted like, okay, I don't think this is going to help us, but we'll take it for you. But they did not get a receipt. Jamie remembered thinking. If the case is closed, has she made a request to have the evidence returned then? They've been given nothing. 
I mean, at this point, once you close a case and whatever's in the evidence locker on there, personal possession should be able to be returned. The, the family's call is to allow another agency to take a look at this and to take a look at the evidence. And Well, yeah, or give me my evidence back so that we can do at least some type of a chain of custody and I'll have it tested myself. Yep. And the response from the police department um, was disheartening for the family. Well, they what was the response? Stand, their response is that they stand by their thorough investigation and that they understand that su- that it's difficult for a family to accept when a member has taken their own life. It is. And I don't disagree with the statement in terms of them having, they made their decision, they did their investigation, and their statement is correct when it comes to, um, yes, people have a hard time understanding or wrapping their heads around suicide, especially when you don't have any evidence of it. But... What is the harm in allowing for a second opinion? Right. This is like if I go to the doctor and they tell me that I have cancer and I say, you know what? Um, and, and it's stage whatever. Okay. I'm going to go talk to another doctor. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Those doctors, they don't get offended. Right. You go exactly. get your second opinion yep. and then we'll talk about your options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of law enforcement and the hard job that they do. Of course. But I'm trying to wrap my head around why they wouldn't be supportive of a second opinion. They have even made statements to go as far as saying that the stuff that the parents have been posting online has been fabricated, has been exaggerated, and is due to their grief and not accurate. Okay. Um, they That's their opinion. And that's, again, I'm sure that they have this thing happen all the time to them. But I'm going to throw it out there again, guys. Why does it matter then or hurt to have a second opinion? Well, I think because this is a close-knit community and they immediately, immediately put out a statement that there's no further concern to the public. The public's not in danger here. They don't If I want, was the neighbor, I'd already be concerned. Right. And I would be concerned that there was this random landscaping truck. And was anybody investigated? Did anybody else talk to the person who made the statement to her that he didn't see him done it or whatever it was that he said? Like, where's where's the interview with that guy? They didn't contact the neighbors at all. No. So there wasn't a canvas. No. Neighbors weren't interviewed. No. The person that owns this truck or was in this truck wasn't interviewed. He made one statement to mom. I have some feeling. Yeah. Yep. But they immediately put out a press release that the public is not in any in any danger. I mentioned that this was, you know, an HOA community. Obviously, there are certain um, socioeconomic classes happening, right, in this in this community. We are aware. And maybe they're the one percent. Yeah, we don't want panic. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the the statements that were put out was about how you know the stuff being put on out on the internet is inducing panic it is infringing on the sheriff's ability to do his job because of the statements that the family is making but infringing on what because you closed the case you're not doing anything what is left job boys to do and that's all the legitimately the parents this family is not bashing the police department they're just saying There are things that we have discovered that have not been thoroughly investigated that we would like to be thoroughly investigated. And could could we allow another entity, uh, you know, unbiased to the town, unbiased to the area, come in and take a second look at this? Ramona and Jared had called several times, had calls several times with the medical examiner regarding her findings. When a forensic pathologist is assigned to the case, she case she utilizes the body, any evidence she is presented with from the investigators, and theorizes how the descendant passed. 
decedent, excuse me, passed based on a combination of fact and opinion. In fact, the lead investigator was listed on the autopsy as present during the exam. So there was an autopsy. As well as the person who brought evidence to the ME for measurements. The ME was given the string that had been found on Sean's neck, the article of clothing on his body, and the belt that had been tied that had tied his arms down. She sent off several samples of testing and also completed a perk test. Once the ME was done with the body, it was released and driven down to Southern Pines, North Carolina, where their family was um, for the funeral. So there was an autopsy done, and but with the lead investigator in the room, and in, she took information, and it says it right in there, that she took information from the investigators to theorize how Sean had passed. There is, there is no way. He could have tightened a belt down on his own two wrists to his sides that way. I'm sorry. No. It, well, How do you tighten that down? Think about this. Have you ever tried First to all, put your own fucking watch on? He can't see. His glasses are in the yard. I mean, I can he do can't a, see. I can do a lot of things by feel. I mean, you I, I, you could put a belt on. I could even put a belt on and put one of my arms strapped down there. But how do you tie the bag over your head? With both of your arms strapped to your... Right. So say you put the bag on your head first, tied the string, then tied then you know tied the rope around your neck and then strapped your hands down and then somehow walked barefoot without getting any dirt on your feet not a single bit of the dirt yard on your feet. blind mm-hmm. with a bag over your head mm-hmm. to the swing set i why are his glasses broken megan and why are they found away from the swing set he was so he broke his own glasses and then somehow still got to the swing set do we know? It's probably not been released. Do do we know what they, uh, did they write cause of death? Of course, suicide, but you know, there's usually a secondary. Did it say asphyxiation? I haven't seen the autopsy. I don't know that the family has it been. It probably hasn't I, been released. Right. I do not, I don't know that information. Yep. I'd be interested in seeing that too, because we don't have any answers in terms of an actual cause of death other than suicide. Suicide always has a secondary cause of death. Right. It's right. going to be, you know, a self-inflicted gunshot room, asphyxiation. Or, mm-hmm. yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Furthermore, the, so I told, I told you about the, um, the disappointed response that the family got from the York, uh, pus- oh, I'm going to say this wrong guys. Sorry. Poquanson. P-O-Q-U-O-S-O-N. That's great. I think it's probably Poquanson. Poquanson. So that the York Poquanson Sheriff's Office, um, the the family was pleading for help and they released a video that the family felt is cold, uncaring, and defensive. They attempted to discredit our accounts of events by stating that our story is untrue. We are asking for them to allow an outside entity to investigate this case since they have no interest in going any further. And as as a result of the video that that sheriff's department, the York Sheriff's Office put out, the family felt that they needed to address some things that were said in their video. Okay. So they said over the course, this is directly from the Facebook page as well, and it is linked in my show notes. Over the course of several weeks, we filmed the property and its surroundings to see if anyone would revisit the scene of the crime. There is an individual who was filmed numerous times throughout several nights. Around the property? Yes. They, the, in the video, they show a red mark on the wall from May 20th, 2022. This happened April 14th. The family said, this is a new red mark. When you wait five weeks to collect evidence, there will be new marks in the home. Remember, they were moving. They were set to move in three weeks right. from this. This was one of many spots throughout the house that were pointed out to the investigators. So there was an original red mark on the wall 
They pointed it out to the investigators. They came back five weeks later after the family was pleading with them to take, you know, like, can you like figure this out? And they're like, well, just so you know, there's another new mark. So how do you know that, you know, that first one wasn't there? She's like, it's been five weeks. There's going to be more marks on the wall. But we're telling you that this mark, this red mark was not on our wall before. And so they were using that to discredit the family during their response. No one knows if the two-year-old brother was sleeping during the hour that he was alone. No one else was there. Initially, it was assumed that he was, and the mother was grateful that, you know, Ramona was grateful that he was unharmed and later said so. But later in the evening, when she was reunited with him, he said that there had been a man in the house, and this was disclosed to the fa- to the investigators. In the video, it's my understanding that they were trying to state that this was not originally disclosed. But remember, it was disclosed after they cleared the house. They were at the hotel when that happened. And she told them that. And she told she called and told them. Investigators came to the house the next day, and they found a handprint. It, actually, Jamie found it when she was trying to help um, help the family. They found a handprint. Where? On the sliding glass door that leads to the backyard, way up high. Too high for Ramona to touch, too high for Jamie to touch, um, most definitely would be a taller individual. It was a full handprint that that handprint was taken because they called those investigators the next day. Okay. And they got a, a, a print off it and they were like, maybe, you know, something good can come from this. They were originally told the, the print was a good print. It was a viable print, but it matched no one in the system. Okay. Okay. Which also means that it didn't match Ramona and Jared because they'd be in the system. They work for the military. Correct. So. Well, the print's in the system now. So maybe. It is. In the future, if somebody were to be printed, it could run through. We don't know because the next form of information that they got said that it wasn't a viable print. And there were no fingerprints taken when they were of around the house, in the house, the day of the crime. There was no fingerprints taken. Was the belt sent in? I don't know. The belt, they do the bag, know. Nope. his glasses. The bag came from the garage. Um, this this dawned on Jared after after the fact, you know, the second day, like when they're processing everything. Um, Ramona and Jared went and looked in the garage because as the bag was described, it had a certain, a certain brand name on it. And he was like, oh my God, those are our helmet bags for our for motorcycles. Helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know so, what you're talking about. They're kind of nylon with it and they're really soft to the touch and they yeah. have the little drawstring. Yes, exactly. Real familiar with those. So they go out to the garage and they discover that one of those bags is missing. There's two bags there. One is missing and it's got its string. The other bag is there, but it's missing its string. Is that the string that was used to tie around its more than likely neck yes. slash chin, which chin, would be yep. a quote unquote shoelace, kind of a shoelace style type. Mm-hmm. string? Yep, yep. And they called it that in the autopsy. This is another thing that they had to dispute in the video with the police is because they, and they said, quote, we refer to the string as a shoelace type string because that's what the autopsy describes it as. It is similar in size. It was from a motorcycle bag and that bag was also on his head. The string, of course, had his DNA on it as it was on his body. Of course it had his DNA on it. Right. But what about any other DNA that came up? The other thing is the shoes that are in the garage, several of them were partially unstrung. Somebody was trying to get a They were looking for, yes, exactly. A shoelace, a mechanism. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And, you know, either it was taking too long or they noticed those helmet bags right there and just used that. She, the, I they, have to ask Chanel, and I'm, I'm don't, I doubt you have the answer. You would have disclosed it already. But did anybody check to see if this child was sexually abused during the autopsy? You know, there is absolutely no information on that. And I don't know if that is on purpose. I yeah. did not ask the private investigator that just because... In our brains, being mm-hmm. people who investigated, prosecuted uh, CSCs, mm-hmm. um, the underwear being mm-hmm. found on the floor. So that is why the family, Megan, wanted those underwear taken into it evidence. Is. It's not been tested. It's not been sent anywhere. I want the, I want the underwear. Give them back. I'm, we'll send them and have them tested to it by, by a lab. Just right. make sure you have a good chain of custody. Right. One I, of the things that I'm I'm still going through what's being disputed in the yeah I know you, are. you know the video that the um, officers put out. Um, apparently, the officers made some claims that the family didn't provide any leads, so they are saying yes, we did provide leads to the police and hope that they would look into people who were in the area at the time. We did not realize that we would be mocked for doing so. Shouldn't they be the ones looking for leads? As a matter of fact, there was a woman who kept nervously walking and coming up to Jamie afterwards during the scene just asking like really just seemed chaotic and and odd and it resonated to her and so they even told her about that person you know like yeah. uh, again if the investigation's closed like i'm gonna why wouldn't you foia the um police report right right Let's see what's in there i i don't know they're they're upset this is from the facebook page as well they said this is what they choose to focus on meaning the police instead of answering a few major questions that have been lingering for some time these are the questions that the family wants answered and why they have asked for another entity to take a look at this and the first thing is sean's arms were belted tightly to his body how did he put a bag over his head and a string over that while having belted hands His glasses were broken and he could not see. Where is the missing lens? He did not leave a note. He did not search how to commit suicide. He did not communicate with any strangers online. Nothing. Sean submitted all of his upcoming assignments online as soon as he got home from school. He also prepared himself a snack, which was left uneaten on the counter, showing his intention to carry on with life. Correct. Right? And Sean was babysitting his little brother and he loved his little brother and the family just does not believe that he would ever just leave Dude, his little brother. Dude, he attempted to brother. do his chores. He's, you're going to, you're, you're suicidal and you're going to go and, no. and do your chores? No. 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 I, it, none of it makes sense. There are dozens of things that do not add up. We are asking for another entity to take a look, um, to take the case over and investigate with a fresh set of eyes. Isn't everyone entitled to a second opinion? And so the family, yep, the family said, help us by signing our petition to get our case investigated on change.org. That link is in our show notes. And I wanted to end on just a little bit more about Sean from his obituary. It says, all those who knew Sean were delighted by his amazing spirit and his loving kindness will stay with us forever. God bless you guys. Yeah, that's what we know. Just good luck. And I agree. Um, Everyone is entitled to being able to get a second opinion. And I, I apologize because I just realized I skipped over the, I wanted to give you the timestamp. Um, remember I mentioned that HOA social media group yeah. where they were asking for any video if anyone noticed anything. And the, the screenshot that was sent um, from a house on Sandalwood with the landscaper's truck in front of Sean's house was timestamped at 4.36 p.m. So this was 13 minutes before Maria got home. 
It was a still shot from a video. And as you can see, the recording minutes at the bottom of the picture, they asked the neighbor for a full video several times, but were never given the footage. The neighbor didn't give the footage? Nope. So I did want to add, um, add that. We could go on and on about opinions and such, but the only statement that I'm going to make in this is, um, I think that sometimes because of the climate that we are in, law enforcement tends to to go on the defensive. Mm -hmm. And I would never sit here and say that, um, you, you did something wrong. They, they went, they had an angle and they investigated it based off of what they believed the information was they had in front of them. If new things come up, I don't think there's any shame in reopening a case or allowing, again, that second opinion, have somebody else look at it. I just, I, I hope that, I hope that this family is able to uh, achieve what their goal is. And I don't think their goal is even, you know, an apology or in a, we did it wrong. No. Their goal is we want a second set of eyes to look at this. Yeah. Fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. That's um, all they're asking for. I don't think it's asking Clearly. for much. It's not being disrespectful. Um, you know, now lots of people are probably posting, and this isn't the family's fault, but there are people, and I read some of the comments that are posting about the egotistical nature of the good old boys club okay. in their um, yeah, department. I'm just, I'm just not even going to get into that stuff right. because I don't think it's helpful to anyone. But I think that's where the comments of um, the online things are infringing my ability to do my job, blah, blah, that, you know, that sort of thing might be coming from is because all of that stuff is being said. That's not what the family's saying. Literally, the family Agreed. is just like, will you Agreed. please well, let strange, another entity strangely, look at Strangely, Chanel, I've been subject to multiple public opinions Weird. and things about, right. But here's the thing. I don't know about or read any of them no. because I stay away from it because I, I need to make my decision based off of the law and right. the things presented to me. Yep. So that way I can remain neutral. Right. And then, you know, I might find out later that somebody bashed me all over the social media, but at least I know that I made a, a legal conscious good decision mm-hmm. based off of of what information I had right so I can again the the police are probably upset about the bashing that's happening but y'all don't have to be upset about it do do a good job if you think you missed something investigate right, it right. if you don't be open to looking it up again correct you know, yeah. um if, if especially if there's new information or information yeah. that seems to um conflict yes yeah, or or let somebody else take a peek at it. I guess don't see why why it hurts. No, most most certainly. We, we in our small town have turned over um, cases to different agencies or for a second opinion as well. There is some popular opinion that the possible reason for this is that it is very costly for a department to be sued, and in this area there would be people that would have the means. And the resources to do such a thing and then ask for those things. So that that's hanging, that's looming over. Um, the other thing that I will throw out there that I didn't see, but it made me wonder. Um, how often in this area do they investigate murders? Probably never. That's right. a that's a very well and same with here. You know, yeah. if you get a true I'm not saying that there aren't homicides that occur because of um delivery of drugs causing death and mm-hmm. uh, operating while intoxicated causing causing death and those type of things. But a true on like first degree or second degree homicide, mm-hmm. we might get one a year. Right. We might get zero for a few years and then three. Yep. I mean Exactly. It, it doesn't happen often in no. this county. And I bet in that nice white collar neighborhood, you probably don't get that. So that's a good right. point yeah, as I had, well. I had thought about that. But the other thing on the flip side, statistically, how many 12-year-olds commit suicide? Well, you know, we did have a we did have a little bit of an uptick here. Mm-hmm. But um, the 
evidence in support of why that occurred matched. So there wasn't match in this one. There was Mm -hmm. some um, depression or bullying or Mm -hmm. feelings of despair, family arguments, those type of things Mm -hmm. that had been happening. Trauma. Um, I'm not, I see nothing in this. And if, if again, I used to review child deaths. Exactly. That's why I posed that question because there are risk factors that come into those, right? Yeah. And that's what you look at and go over. They aren't present here. So statistically speaking, how many 12 year olds do we have committing suicide that have zero risk factors? Okay. And even if you want to, I hate it when people do this, even if you want to throw out a risk factor of like, well, the parents were divorced and they moved because of military things that he was well adjusted. Those things were not every night. As a matter of fact, Ramona wrote about how every night they would do their little nightly catch ups and chats with Jared and Ramona in their bedroom before bed. And he would end it every night with, okay, well, night guys love you. My kids do that. They come in while we're getting ready for bed and we have just like a nightcap essentially of of things. I and have to call my 16 year old out of his room, but <laughs> but when, uh, he comes out of his room and then he sits on the couch and then we talk yeah. about the day with him and he and his dad and I. Right. So that again, so very, very normal, not withdrawn at all. Um, I just, this, this just doesn't fit those risk factors and that's what everyone wants answers, you know, for an answer beyond, well, suicide rarely makes sense. No, if, sometimes you can see when these risk factors are met, how it led a person to such extreme circumstances, right? Well, and I would say that it's possible that the parents didn't know everything that was going on because we see that a lot in suicides, but the post-investigation mm-hmm. does not show that. Right, correct. So did correct. you want to let people know where to go to sign a yes. petition if they are so inclined? It is change.org forward slash what happened to Sean. And it's linked in the show notes. I'll post it on the socials as well. And you and his Facebook page, there's a Facebook page that is just what happened to Sean. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you can uh, go there as well. So are you ready for a brain bath? You fucking know it. Well, I, I'm ready for beer. I, perp- <laughs> I know. Yeah. We should maybe do that next. I think we're going to go to lunch. Um, so I wanted to, because I know that this was a heavy case where we are concerned about law enforcement. And your husband is a law enforcement officer. Many of my dear friends are. Mine as well. And I. They're also fallible, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. So am I. Yeah. I uh, make, I've made mistakes before. For Can sure. Can you believe it? Yeah. Do you? I know. Like, as an attorney? Not every one of as my. As a judge? Yes. Because we're human. And I learn from them. Right. And I apologize if I made one. It's weird. And that's the key. You learn from them and you apologize and, and you make it right. Yes, right? ma'am. I want to tell you for our brain bath about this awesome police department. I have no idea what kind of investigative work they do, but they have a freaking awesome Facebook page that you guys need to follow. Oh my I don't God. know. Are these the ones that say the funny things about wanted individuals, like people with crimes? I, I no, it's just South Lake DPS. I believe they're located in Texas. I, I'm not sure. South Lake DPS. A listener sent it to me and said, just make your day better and follow them because they have someone who writes their social media. Um, posts and they are hilarious it will I promise it'll brighten your day even when they're reporting on like a traffic accident or you know some sort of crime there is there is just a there there's a flair to it that so resonates with crime curious flair of things like I and I found this one the other day and I, it, that popped up in my newsfeed and I just wanted to to um, share it with you guys apparently someone had had a good time in the actual parking lot 
of the police station. And they left behind their evidence because they left three or four white claw um, <laughs> containers. But this wasn't all Let of the... Let me say that again. Oh, oh my God, that's fantastic. This wasn't all of the... Um, that's who you follow right up there. I love it. It wasn't all of the litter, but this is what they took a picture of. And then they put a uh, post up about it. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, don't litter. Well, it clearly was the hopping bash of the year outside of headquarters last night, as here is just a sampling of some of the litter left behind. So apparently there was a lot of litter left behind by people in the police station parking lot. Jesus. Litter and alleged alleged intoxication, as you know, is a crime, as is just drinking a White Claw in general as your main source of fun drink. Oh, my God. Look at these photos taken of the damage. That one photo looks blurry enough to be in the Zap Rooter film or the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> the photographer must have been shaking with shock at the blatant littering and that someone actually drank White Claws. <laughs> there are laws when you drink the claws. Fair. Laws? Oh my God. <laughs> I need a t-shirt. There, there are laws, laws when, when you drink, drink the claws, claws, fair citizens. While we checked the tape, oh, sorry, while we haven't checked the tape yet, we can only imagine what we will find. Perhaps a froofy soiree of Priuses, or is it Pri? <laughs> with guys named Jake or Topher jamming out to trains drops of Jupiter. I'm dying. Smoking on jewels is a pretty valid guess to start. <laughs> but there were no noise violations called in last night, so maybe not. And while froofy is not a word you'll find in the dictionary, Note that you knew exactly what we meant when we said it. <laughs> Who doesn't love to come jam out at a police and fire station on White Claw Wednesday? <laughs> it did so happen to call happen on a Wednesday. <laughs> well, most normal citizens for sure. So if you are reading this, you wild. So if you're reading this, you wild, wild man or woman, we ask you not to litter and or drink in our parking lot anymore. Heck. You can come have some LaCroix here instead, which is basically the same thing. And that's not illegal as long as you toss your trash. <laughs> Don't litter today in South Lake and beyond. <laughs> they are. Fa I just went and followed them. This is just one little snippet. Everything is hilarious. My favorite are their weather reports where they state several times that they are not weather people. But they talk yeah, about because do you remember from a prior episode where I told you somebody was successfully sued a weather person? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why they put a disclaimer out there. Good call, y'all. But it's really funny because they'll be like, it's kind of raining. Like, and they'll go on this whole tangents about how rain will make people drive like idiots. And yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just a funny, lighthearted thing. Kind of gives a much happier perspective on police departments because although we absolutely know there is shitty police work out there. There is also really, really great police work out there, and we can't let the shitty ones overcast the really good ones because I know a ton of really good ones, and if you really look, you can find some too. So I appreciate your piece. I appreciate your brain bath and your case. It was an important case. It was I'm a very glad, important glad you case. Covered it. Yep. So I signed the petition. If you guys want to, you can too, and we hope that you follow us on social medias because I will be posting that on our socials as well, and also just because you know we're fun to follow. We will not. No, we, I'd we, like to we say do we all won't the fun dampen things. your day, but I mean we really do post photos of victims and stuff. So like that part's a bummer, but the I rest know. of it's fun. We dampen your day, but we also are just balls of fucking sunshine and joy. Yeah. Every day. 
All right, y'all. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on what is, again, another long episode. And uh, how do I usually end this shit? Bye-bye. Oh, it's time to say (laughs) bye-bye. All right. Let's go get lunch and a drink before we record again. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Keep it curious. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.